please. I say good morning, church family. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. People still coming in here to first service. Welcome to first service. It's so good to see you all here. Uh, I know if you're like a lot of us, we're all exhausted, amen, from VBS. But we just want to say thank you to everyone who made VBS incredibly successful. Come on, let's give God praise, right? Over a hundred kids gave their life to Jesus on Thursday night. Uh, great. Come on. Praise God. So, a uh, great evangelistic outreach, Doug and Nancy. You're going to see a video and a little bit about that. We've got a lot to do today, so we want to get right into things so we can get uh, through them all. Um, uh, our sermon notes winner from last week is Colton Hartong. Let's give Colton a hand, right? There isn't any Bible memory because there was no Bible memory last week. Getting ready for um, uh, the VBS setup and all those things. And speaking of that, uh, during FFM News today, you're going to hear that they, there are youth activities tonight, but there are not. Everybody say they are not. There are no youth programs tonight. Everybody's recovering from VBS. A couple of very important things that are happening this morning is uh, a couple of very special birthdays. So Nancy Schwartz and Amy Gosho, their birthdays are today. Let's give them a hand, right? What's they spent their whole birthday week with us, and today, so those are incredible things. And so, like, if you're a visitor this morning, we want to welcome you. Let's welcome all our visitors, right? It's so good to see you. Speaking of visitors, uh, there's an incredible thing uh, that I want to uh, share this morning real quick before we get into uh, the VBS highlight video and then the song and the, the things that are happening today. But uh, 27 years ago, that's a long time. Amen? 27 years ago, uh, Pastor Jay Ulrich and Doug and Nancy Schwartz and a couple of other the leaders uh, that are still here, those things, uh, they began to dream about this church. And uh, through um, prayer and guiding to some counsel, uh, God led them to Glenn Middleton, of course, relationships. And so Glenn Middleton actually encouraged uh, Pastor Jay and Doug and the rest of those leaders to plant a church in Centerville. And Glenn Middleton is with us this morning. Stand up, Glenn. Stand up, Glenn. This is Glenn. If you don't know Pastor Glenn, uh, Glenn is the one who came all the way to Florida and asked my wife and I to sell everything, lay down our career, turn the church that we were leading over to a younger man and move to Michigan. So uh, if, uh, if I've offended you in any way, it's all Glenn's fault. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's glitter still on my face. I promise I have showered several times uh, from Sunday night, but uh, that thing was rigged anyway. We knew that was going. Hey, listen, it's an honor to have Pastor Glenn here. Uh, Pastor Glenn's been leading CFC from, since the beginning and Sturgis uh, there all those years and, and now is doing uh, quite a bit of translocal work and traveling. And so, Glenn, we're glad you're here this morning. Glenn said, hey, can I just come and visit and worship with you guys in both service? And so I was like, absolutely. Come on, let's give the Lord and Glenn another hand, right? So good. We're excited that he's here. Doug and Nancy are going to come up. They're going to talk to us a little bit about what happened this week. Wow, what a, what a week it was. Thank you for all your prayer warriors for praying for us. We needed that. 
uh, we had some a record week. We had a record of 313 kids show up in one night. And uh, the average for the week was 293 kids. That's a new record as well. And uh, 366, 366 actually registered for the whole week. So it was really, really good. And uh, we uh, end up with uh, an offering of 56.44 for Samaritan's Purse to be used for discipleship program. So thank you for your, your giving. Uh, we did have 100 Bibles that we were handing out to the kids at, at the altar, and we ran out of Bibles. There was still more kids, and so it was, it was really good. And we ended up getting more and handing those out the next day. Um, do you want to say anything? Uh, of course. I just want to thank you all again because you guys um, make our job so much fun just by helping. 200, and I don't know what the final count was because... After the first day, people just want to add and add, can my friend come? Can these people come? And we love it. And Lynette and I have a hard time saying no. And so I think we were over 270 volunteers. So thank you, guys. Thank you. And everybody that um, had their names on the back of the shirts, not everybody was here for the week, but some of you gave money to sponsor our shirts. Uh, we raised over $7,300 just for the shirts. So that helped our budget, and we could spend uh, the money on other things because the more people we have, the more we got to feed and all of those things. So the money that you guys gave for the shirts, and if you haven't seen the shirts and you gave money, make sure you look at them because that was a real special thing. So we really appreciate all of your help. And the last thing I want to say is if anyone is interested in going to another level and you want to help plan for next year, you have giftings, you want to decorate, you want to you want to actually be there and help with stuff along the way, just come see us because we have lots of things we can uh, give you to do. So thank you. Scuba is the next. It's under the sea. So start thinking under the sea. You see anything, take pictures, send them to us. Start holding your breath now. All right, we're going to have a highlight video, so Marissa's going to do that. While, while the video's playing, I want everybody that's a part of VBS to come up. Uh, adults up on the stage, uh, crew leaders up on stage, kids down here, and we're going to sing a song right after this is done. So make your way up here during this video.
right? So before we finish, every night, as you saw in the video, every night we took some time to sing songs and dance. So the kids and the amazing crew leaders are going to help us lead us in a VBS song. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Great. Give another round of applause. Go ahead and find your seats, kids. Thank you very much for all your prayers and all your support. It was a great success. Amen. As everybody's getting seated, why don't you go ahead and stand in this place as we get ready for worship? So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Maybe when you pulled in this morning, you saw all those motorcycles out there, right? Like, uh, let's give our motorcycle people a hand, right? They're, uh, I, I get calls all the time uh, during the week. Like, uh, do you have guys have special motorcycle parking? And anyway, uh, they all park out there in the front. So be careful. Again, let me just say this as we're getting started. 
And to switch over between services, please be careful in the parking lot. Uh, just drive a little slower. We'll all get out. And uh, there is an exit at Truck Miller over here, so you can take that if that makes it easier. Just be careful going around the portables uh, as we got a lot of kids. Man, it's good to see you all here. One more time, if you're a visitor, we want to welcome you. Let's welcome all our visitors. Yep. It's great. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We want to invite you to worship today. At the end of the message today, we're going to take communion together. And so um, we're really excited as far as taking communion in this, this portion of our grace sermon series. And God has really been speaking to us. And I don't know about you, but it's been stirring joy in my heart, right? Rest in my spirit, just about the power of the grace of God. And as, as we challenge those things, right, that would hinder God's grace in our life. I'm feeling, you know, uh, Breno's song, Finally Free, right? Like to celebrate and worship. And in this place today, we want to give you permission to celebrate Jesus. I told the worship team, I was like, hey, it's the week after VBS. Everybody's exhausted, so we got to have some songs to get off the bus on. Hello, somebody. We got to have some songs to get off the bus on. And so uh, we want to celebrate everything. Listen, over 100 kids got saved Thursday night. Come on. We got reason to celebrate. All of heaven is celebrating. And so we're going to give you permission to celebrate the Lord. The altar is open. Minister and pray to one another. Father, today we have come to celebrate your name. You have done wonders among us, God. And so as we lift you up today, thank you, God, that you fill this house with your presence, with your glory, God. Touch us, Lord. Don't let us leave the same as we came, but change us for your glory as we celebrate your name. God, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 <laughs> Good morning, church. The Bible says, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out, that comes from the mouth of God. And that's just so amazing. That's a reason, another reason, one more reason that I have to thank God that I don't live by bread alone. Not from the things that I can reach with my own hands. Not working, supplying for myself. But I live by the words that come out of his mouth. Isn't that a reason to thank God? So let's thank God today. Amen. Here we go.
cannot deny what I've seen. Got no choice but to believe my doubts are burning. Like ashes in the wind. So, so long. So, so long to my old friends. Burden and bitterness, you can't just keep it moving. Say it now. Now you ain't welcome here. From now till I walk streets of gold, yeah. I'll sing how you saved my soul. This wayward son is on his way back. Place my 
because you heal my heart and you change my name forever free i'm not the same i think the master i think the savior i thank god thank you jesus hallelujah isn't that so good just a second you have to tell me something Thank you, Jesus. He, he didn't just call you out of your grave, but he gave you a different name. You were a sinner. We still are. But he, call, he calls you son and daughter. And he tells you, I'm preparing a home for you. I took you out of, the, uh, out of your grave so you can live with me forever. I took you out of your, of, out of your grave so you can have my own name on it's written on you i took took you out of your grave so you can leave not by bread alone but by every word that comes out of my mouth that's why jesus takes us out of our graves so don't go back to that grave i know sometimes it's easy to get back closer to your grave you feel like you're not worthy and you're like no let me just go back to that grave i felt comfortable comfortable there but that's not the place that he has for you amen church he wants you to live with him forever and he's coming back do you know that he's coming back and he says repent because the kingdom of god is at hand that's what he says so god today we want to repent give us that gift god to repent to to just be humble in your presence, be honest with you, repent, repent from our ways and turn to you. Every single day we need repentance, church. Amen? Here we go. to tremble at the light that you bring when you walk into the room the dead begin to rise cause there's burning, burning and nothing there is more we worship you Jesus Starts to vanish every hopeless situation. 
are yours we want you oh we want you come and consume god all we are we give you permission our hearts are yours we want you we want you God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace, Jesus. We come to worship you, to give you praise. And you are worthy. You are worthy of it all. <laughs> You're worthy, not just of the things that it's easy to give to you, God, but you are worthy of all the things that you require from me. We give it all to you, Jesus.
this place is Jesus. We say be praised. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you give us the strength to stand in your presence. You made a way. Father, where we can stand and praise you without guilt and shame and condemnation, but in liberty and freedom. And in that, Lord, we say today, let your name be praised not only now but forevermore in, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can be seated. Uh, we'll dismiss for the Sunday school hour. Uh, and as we're getting situated uh, for that, those type of things, again, uh, before we get into FFM news and everything that's happening there, uh, <clears throat> want to remind everyone as you're getting settled, uh, we'll have communion after service. Um, it's going to be a powerful time, um, or after the message. And we'll want to remember, even though the guys announced that there are youth meetings tonight, there are not youth meetings tonight. So, um, so far, so good. I've still been able to keep my job with the interns doing FFM News, and um, I, didn't, I didn't really get to preview this one this week, so uh, you'll have to endure this one with me at the same time. So here we go. Bob Church family, welcome to this week's segment of FFM News. A special thanks to everyone who came and helped support at VBS. The volunteers that we had were amazing, and we thank you so much. Standing Firm and Freedom Recovery Group will be meeting this next Wednesday at 6 o'clock here at the church. We encourage you to come. All Sunday night activities will be going on tonight. So after shock, Eliminate, and Bible Memory will be meeting at 5.30. Just so you know, we got young adults this Monday, 6.30. Be there, young adults, because we want to see you, and we want to be having family together and community, because that's what we need in this place. Support the Lord. <clears throat> Just let y'all know, we got edge registration coming up. Just want to let y'all know to sign up. That's it. Ha! Got him. As many of you guys know, we have a lot of visitors around here. In fact, we got one walking across the camera right now. In fact, we actually got another one right here. <laughs> Dang. What's up? What's up? How you been? It's radi just radical. Radical? That's amazing. What a fantastic word for this young man. Yeah. Say, boy. What's up, boy? Visitor from here? I just, yeah, nude. First day. First day? Yeah. Wow. Where are you from? Just from, uh... Just from like the Bahama Raga Raga. Oh, Raga Raga Raga. <laughs> Crazy, bro. Ah, uh, brazy. Well, I'll tell you what. Check out the visitor center. It's right back there. All right. See it? Yeah, see it. It says visitor center right on top. Yes. Yeah, like right behind you, that wall. It's like right as you enter the church. Right there. And if, yeah, if you just enter the church, yeah. you just turn left, it's right there. Gotcha. All right, just go there. Because that's where it's at. It's perfect. And it's so amazing. You can learn about church yeah. here. Learn about FFM with community. Dude, stellar. Stellar, just like BBS. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank for you. the honor to meet an amazing visitor like you. Go check out the visitor center. 
in the back. Thank you. For any of you guys that still haven't got your yard sign, come on now, guys. Come on now. Have your yard sign on your way out of church. Please and thank you. Please! Alright. Now for this week's Volunteer of the Week. This week's Volunteer of the Week is... Let me hear those saxophones, please. You know, you guys probably can't see her behind us. We'll get out of your way. For those of you that don't know, Shelly does a lot here at the church. Shelly spent countless hours helping with VBS, and we wanted to thank you, Shelly. Thank you, Shelly, for all that you do. <coughs> well, gee. What a great time we had this week. Just want to thank you for helping us and watching us as we give to you the news of FFM. She is Batman. We hope that each of you guys have a great week and that you move on and to do great things. Have a fantastic week. Yeah, and again, thank you. Thank you. For helping and watching FFM. News. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Up, church family. I'm so sorry. Why is Gabriel just standing there? I don't. I don't know. It's Gabriel's birthday today too, but obviously he's leading worship at his church in uh, Elkhart. So, uh, so good to be in the house of the Lord. If you're brave enough to put FFF news on your social media, well, there you go. Help us let everybody know what's going on. We've been in this Grace Sermon series. It's an incredible series. And again, uh, as we've announced, uh, I'm getting ready to go down to Texas to uh, teach four courses for the Bible College. And uh, we're going to record at least 36 sessions in eight days. And so I'm going to take a few weeks here to make sure I'm prepped and ready for that. So I've invited some of the young guys uh, who've been preaching and teaching for a while here uh, to join me in this series. And I promise you, it is coming together amazing. And so to start us off with our uh, summer of our young guys, Breno. So give the Lord, the Lord a, a hand in Breno's life as he comes. Let's pray for him. Father, today, thank you for this man of God. We ask you, God, touch him. Use him for your glory and your honor. Open our ears to hear your word that our lives might be changed. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Good morning, church family. Get situated. All right, turn me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 7 as we get started in today's sermon, part four of a series Pastor Don has led called Grace Unhindered. And it's an honor to be a part of the sermon series and to be a part of it alongside Eli, Colton, and Devin. And God has just been so good in this place, hasn't He? He has been pouring out His Spirit over this church family. And he has been moving in this place. So we're going to go ahead and start with the scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 10. So if you guys are with me there, you can join me in that. And I will appoint a place for my people. This is the words of the Lord prophesying 
to David. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Everyone say forever. And I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made, made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Everyone say forever. forever. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for this place, this opportunity to open up your word and hear what you're having to say in the scripture. Bless this reading of the word and show us what it means to live unhindered by your grace. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. The grace of God has no limits. When we read the scripture, to whom much is given, much is required, we, re- we realize that we really are a people to whom much is given. Amen? And this is supposed to be a motivating scripture for us. But if I'm going to be honest with you, it's an intimidating scripture. To whom much is given, much is required. Why do I bring this up? Like all of you, I pray for blessings. Does anyone else pray for blessings? Right? I pray for blessings, and when blessings come my way, I get excited. Right? In the last four or five years, I've experienced some incredible blessings, like my job. I love working here at the church. I love being part of the vision every day through the week. It's amazing. That's been a recent blessing in my life. Also in my music, I've been pursuing music for like seven years now, and God has been opening amazing, incredible doors. It's been amazing. And also the hugest blessing of them all is my beautiful wife, Juliana. I've been praying for her, and I know that I'm not the only one who's grateful that she's in our community. Amen. I've been praying for these blessings. Now, I don't know about you guys, but usually when I pray for a blessing, I don't pray for the responsibility to carry that blessing, right? I prayed to have an amazing job, but I really didn't pray for the responsibility of carrying out that job and doing it well. I prayed for God to open doors with music, but I really didn't pray to have the, the responsibility to carry out all of those opportunities. I prayed for an amazing wife, but I should have prayed a little bit more to have the responsibility to take care of her, to communicate well, and to do the things I should do as a husband. All right? So if I'm honest, because of the pressures and the weight that these blessings bring, it's hard for me to enjoy these blessings with joy because I'm just focused on the pressure that comes with them and the weight that comes with them. Maybe I'm not the only one in this place. And I find myself struggling to move forward with joy because of that pressure. But fortunately, for those of us who have been given much and are thus responsible for much, there has also much grace. 
there is much grace, and it is a sustaining grace, church. The title of my message today is Sustained by Grace. We are sustained, church, by the grace of God. How much grace? More than we can imagine. And a great example of someone who's, who has experienced this is King David. King David, he was given everything a man could ask for, and he knew it all came from God. So he was a man with no excuse. And if, if there was ever someone whose behavior pushed him outside the reach of God's grace, it was David. But in the end, he discovered that God's grace has no limits. So as we read in today's scripture, this is for some context. This is the Lord's covenant with David. The Lord is using the prophet Nathaniel to speak through him to David. And God is promising David some incredible things to come. God promised David his name would endure forever, and it has. God promised his son would reign after him and build the temple. God promised David his kingdom would last forever. His household will be kings for as long as Israel had a king. So we see this prophetic picture happen in 2 Samuel, but I want us to go back to 1 Samuel when we first meet David. So 25 miles south of the ruins of Jericho and Bethlehem, Rahab's great-grandson Jesse would be visited by a prophet. Now in those days, whenever a prophet would visit a town, it would be for an incredible reason, usually bad. Usually when a prophet would walk through a town, people wouldn't be excited. Oh no, who committed sin this time? Was it, was it Kobe this time? Was it Ryan? Oh no, we have a prophet in our town. But this moment was different. It was actually for good news because the prophet Samuel was about to tell Jesse that one of his sons was going to be the king of Israel. So Jesse, being an excited father, he invites Samuel into his house, and Samuel begins with the oldest son. And Samuel, he saw the oldest son. He was handsome. He was tall. He was strong. He was like, that's the one. But God said, no, that isn't the one. And here is Samuel seeing these sons, and he's probably in his mind saying, oh, he's king material. But that's the, that's the battle of grace, isn't it? We decide who is and who isn't grace material. Right? So Samuel is going through each son. God is like, nope, not him. Nope, not him. He goes through all seven sons who showed up because David, he's not king material, so he wasn't invited. And then Samuel asks what, should have, what, what was an awkward question. Do you have any other sons? But it was the right question because he did. To everyone's surprise, David. And when David comes into the room, God's like, yep, that's him. To everyone's surprise, there's David. And that's the power of grace, church. To everyone's surprise, there is more. To everyone's surprise, we may not see it with our physical eyes, but God has something more. That is the power of grace, church. And this part of the story right here is a great example to all of us who try to determine and decide who is grace material. It's hard, isn't it? We live in this community at church. Someone might walk into the church. You might be like, hmm, I don't know if they're grace material or not. Or let's even go deeper. Sometimes we put ourselves in that category. I'm not grace material. I'm not 
I'm not worthy enough. But here in this story, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, look at what the Lord says to Samuel. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let that be an encouragement this morning, that the Lord is looking at our hearts. So David's story is one of grace from start to finish. In preparing for this sermon series, I ask, why David? What had he done to deserve this honor to be king? He did nothing, not a thing. And apparently his family agreed. He wasn't even invited to his own ceremony of becoming a king. And speaking of family, kingship was usually hereditary. So David was in the wrong family. And even in his family, he was the youngest and he was the smallest. Yet God picked him. As it says in Ephesians chapter 2, the grace of God is immeasurable. We can't measure God's grace. It goes beyond what we can see with our own eyes. God looked past every rational requirement and poured his grace over David. That's the God we serve. He looks over every rational reason to pick somebody or to not pick somebody. That's his grace. And God's promise to David was rooted in his grace, not David's performance. This is, this is a key part of the story. There was no, if you, if you do this, then I will do this conditions. There was no conditions to the promise that God bestowed upon David when Samuel came to his house to anoint him king. It was an unconditional promise. But if we're honest, many of us struggle with the idea of unconditional promises, don't we? And the reason being is because religion has trained us to perform. Religion has taken our eyes off Jesus and has placed our eyes on our hands and feet. What we do, how we perform. And of course, there are places in Scripture that emphasize the importance of doing good works. But good works come after salvation. But religion flips it, and now we have to work our way into relationship with Jesus. We need to work our way into the promise of God. But let me emphasize an important detail of this story. The promise came before Goliath. The promise came before the lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. The promise came before all of the kingdoms. The promise came before David killed the ten thousands. The promise came before the performance. And that's why many of us aren't walking in the promises that God has for us is because we have received the lie that I must perform a certain way to live for the Lord. He's not going to use me until I perform a certain way. But it's not that. It is God is bestowing his grace upon his people, and because of that, we can perform well. And if you notice David's life, he didn't live in a place of, oh, Hopefully God's going to choose me if I defeat this Goliath, defeat this giant. No. David said, God already chose me. So I can have the confidence to defeat this giant regardless of my performance. Yep. Yep. 
And this is the key to living out the promises that God has for us. We don't need to perform to get God's promises. All we need to do is receive it. And when we look at David's life, that's what gave David the confidence to look that giant in the eye and say, I'm going to kill you and your brothers. I'm going to chop your head off because God chose me. Because God chose me. And God is looking for a people who will have the confidence in a dark world, an evil world, to say, yeah, that looks scary, but if he is for me, who or what can be against me? And I just need to encourage somebody that God was for you before you were before him, that God chose you before you chose him, because he is a God of grace. His grace is upon his people today. God's promise wasn't something David had to earn. It was something he simply had to receive and walk in because of grace. So we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, it says that we see here that the moment the Spirit of God descended on young David, the Spirit of God departed from King Saul. But apparently nobody told Saul because he continued to reign the best that he could. And eventually and divinely, David gained more popularity through killing Goliath. King Saul plots to kill David, so he runs and hides for the next 14 years and is considered an outlaw and hunted as a fugitive. At times, David will act as a man with extraordinary faith and integrity, worthy enough to be a king one day. Twice he even spared Saul's life. But there were other times that David was overcome by hopelessness and troubles, and fear would cloud David's judgment. But despite the years of clouded judgment and fear, David was still destined to become king of Israel. Why? God's grace. Everyone say God's grace. God willed it knowing David would not always be worthy of it. And this should be another encouragement to the people of God today. That God's promises are not anchored by the, by the behavior of the recipient, but by the grace of him who made that promise. That is grace, church. God has willed it in spite of your failures and shortcomings. After years of living like a bandit, David eventually ascended to the throne of Israel. He transformed the loose alliance of Israel's tribes into a united Hebrew nation, secured the borders, and reclaimed the land promised to Abraham and strengthen the economy. He also established Israel as a powerful presence in the region. But during this season, David would make a series of decisions that would mark his reputation forever. Good, but also bad. Decisions that would make King Saul's indiscretions look like parking tickets. If we had witnessed them firsthand, we would have expected God to cancel his promise in David's life. But he didn't because he didn't put any conditions on his promise to David. Remember? When God anointed David to be king, he didn't say, okay, little man, you're going to be the king of Israel, but here's a list of requirements that you need to do and not do in order to keep this promise. That wasn't established there. By his grace, he said, you're going to be king. God wasn't looking for an out in David's life. And God isn't looking for an out in your life. 
I just need to encourage somebody today that God isn't looking for a way for you to fail. He's not looking up from heaven saying, man, let's see, I'm just waiting for him to fall. I'm just waiting for him to sin so I can choose somebody else. That's not what God is doing. But many times we look for a way out for our lives. Many times we place excuses upon ourselves to disqualify us from the Lord, from being used by God. Oh, I can't be used. I'm too dirty. Oh, I can't be used. I'm too sinful. Oh, I can't be used. I'm not gifted enough. And we believe this lie from the enemy that that's God speaking, but it's not. He's not saying that. But we place ourselves in this victim mentality that we can't be used by God. Speaking of victim mentality, there's this incredible sermon series called Victim to Victor. You guys should check it out. This really good pastor preached it once. It was really good. But we see in David's life, David had so many different opportunities to label himself as a victim. But he didn't. But we also know that David wasn't perfect. He was far from perfect. And he made some very terrible decisions. So if we believe, as Scripture tells us, that sin has consequences, why did God keep David's promise? So let's break it down. After, after David's sin with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah, Nathan the prophet, the same prophet that came to David and promised all these things in chapter 7, now he's confronting David of the sin he committed. And this is what God does. Through love, through grace, God confronts our sin. And we see God doing this with David. Before we move on, we really need to picture this moment right here. Because, because of Bible stories, we, we hear this story about David and Bathsheba all the time. But I feel like we get so used to it that we forget how dirty this story really is. Think about it. It's not like David accidentally cussed one day. It's not like David just had a lustful thought. He had actions with that lustful thought that led him to sleeping with another man's wife, which then led him to killing the husband of that wife. He just committed adultery, and he just murdered somebody. And I felt very convicted when I read this again, because I can be very judgmental if I'm honest in this place, because I know we can be honest in the presence of, the God, of, of God, can we? I can get judgmental. If David committed this sin in our day of age, I would struggle with it. We all would. A man of God, a great leader in our world, does something like this? I would wrestle with it. And if we're going to look at this story in comparison to grace, we have to see how dirty it is to understand what grace really is. Because this is some dirty stuff. And imagine God's heart. Because if any of us have any type of intimacy or relationship with Jesus in this room, we get heartbroken when we sin against God. 
I have been heartbroken knowing I disobeyed God in ways I did. Imagine David's heart right now. But real quick, can you guys turn to Psalm chapter 51? This is David's response to what he did. Put this as a note in your Bible that this is right after David committed the dirtiest sin ever. You read it differently. Psalm chapter 51 says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Come on, has anyone else done something wrong before? So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Other versions say secret place. Purge me or cleanse me, cleanse me with hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. This is key, church. He was repentive. His heart broke for sinning against the Lord. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. I am dirty. We are some dirty, broken humans. We need the grace of God. This was his response. This is why we call David after a man's own heart. Not because he killed Goliath. Not because he killed tens of thousands. It's because of this. As soon as he realized the depth of the sin he committed, he ran to the feet of Jesus. He knew that the grounds for redemption and forgiveness were to be found only in God's unfailing love. His only hope was grace. He just murdered somebody, guys. His only hope was grace. He was, completing, he was completely at God's mercy. And David was genuinely repentant. His heart was broken about his sin. And in a moment like this, we need to remember that genuine repentance will always bear fruit and bring change. Always. Repentance. And this doesn't mean being sorry for yourself. Mm, church, there is a difference Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's a difference between being repentant and being sorry for yourself. Because real repentance means change is coming. You can run to the altar all you want. God, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. And going back, doing the same thing again. Or you can be truly repentant in your heart and say, some things have to change. That's what David did. And that's what we have to do when we break God's heart. 
Are we a people of repentance? Are we a people of change? Because if we keep falling to the same sin and we're not repenting, we're not changing our lives, we just keep going to it. A wise man once said, that's a merry-go-round of... But that's what many of us do because we don't do what David did. Because God, he's opening his arms, ready to receive us. So to answer the, the question prior... Do we believe that there are consequences to sin? Yes. Yes, there are consequences to sin. There are consequences to every choice you and I make. And we see that in David's life. Because of David's sin, the Lord killed the baby that Bathsheba bore. The Lord took the baby from them. And it was heartbreaking. But check this out, church. Here is God's grace. Bathsheba bore another son. His name was Solomon. Think about Solomon. God's promise was kept in the midst of sin and brokenness. Let's let that marinate real quick. The same woman that David committed adultery with is the mother of Solomon. God could have looked at that situation and said, that's too messy. Let me start over. As we've heard in the prior sermons, there are many different situations where God could have easily said, let me start over. It's too sinful. I'm trying to, my son has to go through the bloodline of David. Let me at least get another wife. Let me at least get another mother that won't be remembered as someone of adultery. Come on, church. He didn't do that. But this is key right here. David's repentance gave God space for his grace to move through brokenness of sin. That's the key. It was David's repentance that allowed the grace of God to be redemptive. I'm going to say that again. Someone needs to believe that this morning. It was David's repentance that allowed the grace of God to be redemptive. That's why God's promise wasn't broken. It's because even in the midst of the sin, God saw David's heart to be repentive and to run back to his feet. And God said, I'm going to use that. When you think your sin is too big for the grace of God, it's because there's a lack of repentance. Let's let that sit. When you think your sin is too big for the grace of God, I know that we have all done some things that we think it's too big for God to break through and use. It's because there's a lack of repentance. Because there is no sin too dirty that God can't use. There is no situation too complicated and too confusing that God can't use for his glory and his honor. But our response to it is repentance. David ran back to the feet of Jesus. How about you? Have you really ran back to the feet of Jesus? Because a lot of us are running. Where are you running to? But that's the problem. You run to that addiction one time, and then you, you receive this condemnation and shame, not from the Lord, but from the pits of hell, 
from Satan. So now you keep running back to that addiction. You keep running back to those relationships. You keep running back to that sin. But when are you going to stop running that way and start running to the cross? Start running to the feet of Jesus. Come. That's what God is saying this morning. Come to me. Solomon is proof of God's sustaining grace. There he is. Solomon. Not only was he born, but he was the son God chose to carry on the legacy promised to his father like we read in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He wrote three books of the Bible, fulfilled his father's dream of a temple, and is considered to be the wisest man ever. That is grace, church. Undeserved, unmerited, unexpected, unexplainable, unbelievable grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God became the ultimate promise keeper to one of history's greatest promise breakers. Our lives may not be like David's, but we do some things in common just like him. We all put God's grace to the test. Come on, somebody. We have broken God's laws many times. We've been irresponsible with his blessings. We have confessed sin only to repeat it again. But fortunately, for those of us who have been given much and are thus responsible for much, there is also much grace and is found at the feet of Jesus. It is found at the cross today. This morning, you can turn back to Christ and still be used by him. David's life revealed the expanse of God's grace so much that Matthew, in recording the genealogy of Christ, the ancestry of Jesus, he reminds the reader of this story. If we go to Matthew chapter 1, this Blew my mind, Pastor Don. This. They not ready, Pastor. If we go to Matthew chapter 1 real quick. We see it's titled the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So Matthew decides to go through the bloodline of David where we find Jesus with Joseph and Mary. The book of genealogy, Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham, Abraham, father of Isaac, Isaac, father of Jacob, Jacob, father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez, Zerai by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of uh, Amidab, Amidab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, Obed, he's just listening of all these names, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of, the, of David, the king, and father of, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon, pause! Pause. What? What? So he's listening name after name, name after name. Verse 6, and Jesse, the father of David, of the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Whoa. What? Let me read it one more time just so they get it, Pastor Don. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Yo, who was the wife of Uriah? Bathsheba. So if anybody's reading this, they're like, If Bathsheba was a wife of Uriah, that must mean she wasn't the wife of David, which means he committed adultery. Matthew kept that in there. Matthew could have easily said, Jesse, David, Solomon. He said, Jesse, David, Uriah's wife, Solomon. Matthew could have easily not kept it in there, but what did he do? He kept that in there. The first six verses of the New Testament, 
Matthew reminds us of the most scandalous story in the whole Bible. Why would he do that? That's the one thing in David's life everyone wants to forget. But he saw it as an important detail to the story he was about to tell in the New Testament. He had been an eyewitness to grace personified. He knew that the grace Jesus offered went far beyond what the religious leaders offered and wanted to hear. He saw that, the, that Jesus, the grace David experienced, grace that could absorb the full measure of sin, grace that could absorb the sin of the world, and a grace that they were about to see on the cross. Hallelujah. And let me just also say that the writer of this book, Matthew, was a tax collector, another outsider, another disciple that the religious people wanted to ignore that actually followed Jesus. But look at God using broken people for the bloodline of Christ and for his glory to be shown to the whole world. I really hope that today's message is an encouragement to you that regardless of what you have done, regardless of how far you have strayed, regardless of how long it's been since you prayed, regardless of what you have been told, regardless of how you feel, grace awaits you. Grace that is far greater than all your sins. Right now in this moment, repent. Let me say it one more time just in case we miss it. Repent. Believe in Jesus and surrender to the sustaining grace of God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite the usher team to come. And today, instead of a huge altar call, which this message is worthy of, I'm going to invite the usher team to come and, and pass out the elements for us. So will you stand with me in this place? Now don't miss what Breno said. I, I promise you Thursday when we were finalizing the sermon together, all of us just wanted to kind of do the glory run in the conference room. When you realize that religion... Everybody say religion. Religion has trained us that we are unworthy of the grace of God. And religion, it shuns us because of what it thinks is unredeemable by God. And some of you in this room today, you've experienced that. You've experienced the lack of grace. And to be able to receive grace in your life has been hindered because religion has taught you. That you're not worthy. That you don't line up. Don't lose the way Breno closed this. In the first six verses of the New Testament. The Old Testament. Murder and adultery. By one of God's greatest men. Solomon. His mother was the wife of Uriah. As God closes the chapter on the book of condemnation and opens the new chapter on the book 
of grace in your life within the first six sentences. The Bible references one of the dirtiest things in the Old Testament. But I may be glad that there's more than six sentences in the first chapter. See, you run through the genealogy of Christ just because you want to skip over it. Nobody wants to read the begats. And you miss. You miss that Bathsheba's there. Listed. So when you think your sin is greater than the grace of God, that's a hindrance. Come on, give, give the Lord a hand for this word. Bruno, that was incredible. So I want to invite uh, Tim and uh, I'll do Doug to, to the stage with me. We're going to take communion together with this in mind. Repentance is the key to the redemptive work of grace in our life. What better day than today than to take communion together? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes, he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or the cup, drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that is why many are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves, truly we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And so it's proper in a moment like this to take the time to pause. That's why we ask you to prepare your life for communion weeks before we take it. So I'd like to pray for us. Father, this morning in this place, thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your redemptive power. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation, God, that our sin is not greater than your grace. And that, God, through, re through repentance, you work redemption. This morning, God, we say to you, if there's anything in us that's not of you, known or unknown, Lord, we lay it at your feet and we repent. Thank you for your forgiveness that comes and washes us and cleanses us, God. Thank you for the newness of life that comes because of the gift of your life. Today, Lord, we posture our hearts anew and fresh. Thank you, Lord, that what was yesterday is gone. What is today is here. And Father, we know that your promise is forever. And so we give you praise and glory and honor in it. Thank you for your forgiving power in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask Pastor Tim to pray over the bread for us this morning. So hold the element up as Tim prays. God, thank you for your body that was broken, that you willingly gave up, God, for us. Thank you that you are the bread of life, God, and that through you is where we find redemption and life in your name. Paul continues and he says in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me I've said this before and I'll continue to say it as long as I get the privilege to lead communion this statement is one of the greatest violations to a Jewish mind they're strictly forbidden to drink blood because the pagans believed that if you drank the blood of something, you became like it. If you wanted the strength of a bear, you drank the blood of a bear. If you wanted the speed of a deer, you drank the blood of a deer. And so, in the law, God strictly forbid it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, at the Last Supper, says, This is my blood, and I want you to drink it. Can you imagine the thought in their mind? We, we can't do that because we, as soon as we do that, we'll be just like. That's the point. And so I'm going to ask Doug, one of our elders, to pray over the cup. Jesus, we thank you for shedding your blood for us. It's the power of the blood that redeems us, that sets us free, Lord, that takes away our sins. And so we thank you, Lord, for that. We know you went through the cross, and we know how painful it was, but we're so grateful for that sacrifice. So we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture says, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I know that in some religious settings, communion can seem like a very solemn and sad occasion. But do you understand that each and every time we take communion together, not only does it refresh our relationship with the Lord, but it refreshes our relationship with each other. Hello, somebody. And it allows us together to declare the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, his sacrifice. And that is something we should do with joy. And so, Father, in this place today, we thank you for the opportunity. This word that sets us up so powerfully, God, to your goodness and your grace. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body. Thank you for the newness of life. God, I thank you, Lord, that there is no sin greater 
than your grace. Lord, you're not looking for a way out. You're not trying to shun us, God. But, Father, you are taking what you have redeemed and using it for your glory and for your honor. This day, God, we strip off the ideologies of religion. And we embrace your relationship. Thank you, Lord, for your redeeming power. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Thanks for being at first service. Also, I want to thank Glenn for visiting with us today. Come on, give Glenn a big hand, right? If you want to greet Glenn, he's going to hang around for second service too. Make sure you talk to him and those things. Hey, God bless you, and we'll see you next week.